Welcome to The Entrepreneur's Journey, where Michael Pelosi leads discussions with successful entrepreneurs to learn about their journey of starting, building, and eventually selling their business or transitioning into the next generation. The goal is to allow you to learn from their knowledge, experience, and wisdom as you pursue that in your own business. Michael Pelosi is the president of HFM Investment Advisors, LLC, and brings over 30 years of experience working with business owners to organize and manage their business and personal financial plans to help them define and realize their personal version of success in their lives and businesses. My guest today is Dominic Marone. Dominic is a very successful employee benefits advisor with over 27 years of experience. What's unique about Dom's story is how he started in his career working nights at the Atlantic City Casinos as a crap stealer, quickly rose to a management position, and after five years and with a third child on the way, Dom realized he wanted more from his career and for his family. Dom knew he was destined to get into the business market selling employee benefits, working during the day, but still keeping weekend hours at the casinos to make sure all the bills were paid at home. Transferring that same work ethic that Dom brought to the casinos now to employee benefits, he quickly realized success and went from salesperson to owning his practice 100%. Just last year, Dom has successfully sold his practice and will share his story from casino dealer to successful entrepreneur. Welcome, Dom. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. Welcome. Excited to have you here on the podcast today. I think we've known each other for, what, 25 plus years now? Absolutely. Yeah, in many different roles. Friend first. Yep. Well, you actually came on board to work with us, and I met you that way. So that, that was the exciting part. Right. We housed in the same office complex together. Yep. You taught me a little bit about selling employee benefits. And you told me about life insurance yep. <laughs> and disability. Yep, exactly. We came employee benefits partners working in the same office, and then we helped each other grow each other's practice over time. I'm really excited to hear about your journey and your story, but one of the things that I want to ask you is working at casinos, you had lots of probably stories that you could <laughs> tell. So- what I would like to do before we get into your business story is, can you share with me a story, basically one you would tell, you would never believe this happened to me while I was dealing at the casino story. How about we start right there? Sure. I can think of one that you're right, never would believe it happened. We were there when the casinos first opened, so it was really new to the, the East Coast, and they were packed on a daily basis. I was working New Year's Eve on the craps table they were people eight deep. The guy next to me drops to the ground. I'm a young kid. I was in my 20s. I'm like, and my bosses are going, come on. With the game, I said, this guy, he says, come on. Literally had a heart attack. They rolled him over. Somebody stepped in his place <laughs> and started playing as the medics were trying to revive him. I'm in a trance. I'm like, what do we do? Do I help the guy? No, because it didn't work. It didn't work. I'm like, no, I, we got to help the guy. And you say that was the wildest thing. There was a lot of wild times there because, again, it was the beginning of the casino gambling for anybody. And there was just so much money, so many people. But that was the wildest thing. I Driving home, I'm saying to my wife, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I just <laughs> died. And to me, I thought they would have closed the place. Right. You know, somebody just died. But that was the craziest thing that happened to me. And it was a great experience. I'm sure. That's, that's, that is a crazy story. And we could probably have a separate podcast just on all the stories <laughs> that you had down at the casinos. I'm wondering, what happened to his chips? 
Well, that was it. The security guard grabbed his money and put it in a plastic bag. It was like they were routine. <laughs> they had a bag. They dropped everything. They rolled them over, and they're working on them, and somebody's playing. I, I was just amazed. And as I did it, I could see five years later, I would have done the same thing as a boss saying, all right, what are you doing? Just come on. Let's go. Move move the dice and craps. They used to tell us, move, move the, the dice. dice. I mean, keep the game going. Yep. So, That's so, exciting. Yeah, That's absolutely. exciting. Absolutely. So let's go back. So 25 years ago, a third child on the way you decide to leave the casino life. With great stories like that, how could you really leave? But how did you get in and start selling employee benefits? Well, so I tell people the same story, Mike. I, I met my wife and I had to get a real job. I loved working down there. It was a big part. I went from the restaurant business to the casino business. But I was always intrigued by insurance and taxes. And I did some accounting and loved accounting. So got in the insurance business through a friend of mine, I wanted to learn about it, and I was at the time when I was at the casino where it's four or five years and you sort of get burned out, Mm -hmm. and you got to figure out either I'm going to stay or I'm going to go, and one of the things that I looked at and said, okay, what's my goal here? My goal is to be casino manager, and hey, I started asking around, how much does that casino manager make, and realized, whoa, (laughs) that's not worth it. And that's when I started to really try to find something that I can control my own destiny. Got it. Got it. And so what led you to your first job? How did you locate your first job? And were you automatically an owner or were you a partner or were you just starting to sell business? Tell me how you started. Actually, I went to a mutual friend who knew I wanted to get out of the business. And basically, he mentored me and wouldn't be where I was at for cause of him. However, they were looking for another salesperson. He was managing it, and he brought me on board. And here's the funny story. It was an agency in Clementon, New Jersey, that specialized in trucking companies. Mm. So when I did my interview, it was a Greek guy, Tom, and Tom basically said, are you Italian? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, <laughs> I do a lot of business up north, and most of the truckers are Italian, and they don't want to talk to me. <laughs> and I didn't believe it until I actually went up north, and a lot of back. 25, 30 years ago, most of those companies were Italian-owned. Right. So, yes, they would talk to me because I was Italian. And believe it or not, that's a true story. So That, that was part one of sales training for yeah. you, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's great. So you and your friend were working at another company. And at some point, you said, I think I really want to become an owner. What was that transition? What went through your head to say, All right, this is great, but I know that there's more for me? Sure. One of the reasons I got out of the casino business, because I had a job that was secure. Mm -hmm. There are secure jobs there, and I wanted more, and I knew I had to take some risk. Mm -hmm. Going in the insurance business, as most people do, as you did, you see the money that could be made. You see the destiny that you can control. So I had to start somewhere and learn somewhere. So my stars lined up where the friend who brought me in left that company and started his own company and brought me on as his manager and decided that, hey, you want more from me. I need more from you. Right. And we came to an agreement, and I was I got lucky. Again, I say the stars lined up for me. I, I earned it. I worked a lot of hours and put a lot of time into it to make sure that I could reach my goals. Sure. I know working with you for— 20 plus years, you've always been an extremely hard worker, always doing what you have to do to make sure 60, 70 hours every week, I know you'll be putting those hours in, which led you to a point where 
we discussed before, you were producer for three years, working for the company with your friend, and then you became a partner for three years. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, I think you had mentioned a few years back that you wanted to be on your own. You had mentioned that story to me. So how did you come about? What was the conversation like when you were speaking with your partner and you said, okay, I think now's the time where we're going to not part ways, but move on? So he got his own real estate. It was one of the real estate booms, one of the many real estate booms, and he was doing really well at it. I could see that he was losing interest. And we discussed selling the book of business Mm. and going to work for someone else. And at that time, the books of business weren't as valuable as they are today. And we entertained offers that were ridiculous that nobody would take, basically buy you back with your money. And it got to a point where we sat down, we had lunch. And because he trained me so well, I knew what he was thinking. (laughs) So I told him, I said, I'm at an advantage, Ed. I know what you're thinking. I studied you for five years because I wanted to be a salesman like him. Sure, he was your mentor. Yeah, and he's laughing. And I said, no, and I know what you're thinking. So (laughs) I want to get a pen and give me that napkin. And we came up with a deal. For the two of you. Yep. And it really, it was fair for mm-hmm. both of us. And he laughed because, again, he was my mentor. So he's like, and he shrugged his shoulders. So <laughs> he couldn't any, use any of his sales techniques on me. So That's right. But when I seen he was losing interest, and believe me, if he could still be with me today because of his talent that he had, I would still be with him. And we probably would have done a not much better, but a lot better because of how he was good at what he did. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you were both loyal to each other. Yes. He trained you. He got you in the business. He trained you in sales techniques. Mm-hmm. But it seemed because he had a disillusion with the insurance and wanted to go in the real estate, yep. that this was a perfect opportunity for you. And yep. it seemed like employee benefits was the perfect fit for you. It was. You've taken it. So you're out on your own. And what changes did you make that Was there any media changes when you were running the show on your own? Oh, absolutely. I looked at the market. I tried to assess the needs, and I set up a model because in any type of successful sales situation, you always try to copy yourself. And I knew that was going to be a difficult thing. So rather than copy myself, I focused in on the small business owner and set up the model that I would have my instead of me being everywhere, was have my talented person on the end of a phone. So I'm accessible, but I'm going to continue to hunt while you help the people here. Mm-hmm. So the goal was to goal was to get me to get the client, have them call me, I call them, and then once I get them as a client, get them to call Pat, who ran my office, who we got lucky with the talent that she had and immediately took advantage of her talent And got her license, taught her the business, but she didn't want to go out and sell. Mm. She wanted to be able to service and start the relationship with the clients because it's a relationship business. Most insurance is our relationship business. And unfortunately, it's not going that way now for us (laughs) old guys. But Speak for yourself. Right. (laughs) So, But yeah, and that's where we changed the model. Anthony was sell, 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 and didn't really focus on the service part about it. So I thought we need to get that client and keep that client and also mine and get more from that client. Yep. And that was my goal and turn that around. And we had significant growth once we changed the focus to that. Yeah. Obviously, that service model worked because 
I've watched your business grow over the years. Tremendous amount of growth, lots of clients, but you didn't per se do any traditional marketing. You didn't do any advertising. Right. So the model of service, 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 give great value work for you because I believe most or all of your clients came from referrals from your existing clients. So that's a kudos to your service model. No, and I appreciate that, Mike. And yes, and service built our business and we tell our clients we don't have voicemail. Mm. We hired somebody six months ago and when she asked where the voicemail was, I said, you got a voicemail from nine to five. And she said, well, what's my job? I said, whatever's important for today. And we don't look at where the calls come in. We don't say, okay, that's Mike Pelosi. He, we only make a hundred bucks from him. Don't talk to him. Talk to Jason because we make more money. No, everybody gets treated the same way. And I tried to explain that to my staff from the beginning. Pat and I implemented the fact that people are calling us because they need help. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're going to be able to talk to them and make them feel comfortable and address them, now you're accountable. Now they can relax. Now they can say, wow, what a great job you did. Mm-hmm. You helped us. We didn't go into that voicemail and not know if we we're being helped or not. So absolutely, big yep. part of it. Yep. Now, wearing many hats as a small business owner, there's always lots of challenges. But I would say that you had a great team. You have a great no team behind you. Was it always that way? Was it easy to – I know you have – you mentioned Pat. She's been with you a long time. But what? how was it finding talented, quality <laughs> – Staff members. So it's one in 25. So every 25 (laughs) people you hire, you get one good one. And when you get that good one, you don't let go. And to me, to build that good team and that strong team was to give them incentive. Hmm. Give them a piece of the action. Be totally transparent with them. Because some people work for a company and think that the company is just rolling in the money because you have a nice office. I wanted to show them what was coming in, also what was going in, <laughs> and who got paid last. And if everybody is transparent and knows exactly and works as a team and give them some skin in the game, that makes the model work. Sure, absolutely, and it shows. So you're growing your business, and obviously you started getting on some of these larger companies' radar. How do you think you got on their radar? Well, you know, <laughs> help from guys like you. Mm-hmm. Help from guys like you and contacts that gain the trust, seeing how they, how we, I believe how we handled their large clients and their small clients, the same, being accessible, knowing that as with the, our mutual clients, that you can place that business with us and you're going to feel as comfortable as if it were you because you know how we treat our clients. Mm -hmm. So we got on a radar a lot of the times was cost of our relationship, like guys like you and other partners that we have. However, a lot of our small clients grew. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in my world don't want to deal with the mom and pops or the two-person or three-person company. I love them all day because right. I watch them grow. Yep. And I form relationships and friendships with them. So my top 10 clients were two employees. Mm-hmm. So it's funny, my top client... Before my other top client, <laughs> so my top client, we, Mike and I had a client together, but no longer. But, but my top client was an immigrant in West New York. And when I, I got referred to him, we went into his apartment and he paid me in cash and he had to take my shoes off. <laughs> now he's got a multi-million dollar company. He owns six buildings in West New York and he's so loyal because he was just that one person. I drove to his apartment because nobody else would talk to me at the time. So I figured <laughs> I'm going to go. 
But that's the hard work that a lot of people forget. People forget that very easily. I know we've talked about many stories like that where you just, and I've seen it with some of our clients, you'll take the time to just pick up the phone and walk through them. Even my employees here, you'll take the time and take a half hour, 45 minutes and and speak to them and help them out, answer their questions because everybody is very important. So now that you had a friendly divorce with your business partner Mm -hmm. and you're running the business on your own, was a part of your goal, was a part of any of your dreams to sell the business at some point in the future? No, not at all. I wanted to be king. Mm. And I wanted to be king and I thought I could do it all. And after speaking with some of the potential buyers when me and my partner were looking at it, I just knew that I didn't want to work for someone. I wanted to control my own destiny. And a quick story, my neighbor who I've lived next to me, this guy, Joe, we're out there shoveling snow one day. And he says, oh, I've been laid off for six months. And my wife says, oh, my God, we walk in the house. She goes, Dom, can that happen to us? I said, yeah, if I don't get up in the morning, <laughs> sure. And that's what I always liked about being on my own and control my own destiny. But back to your question, no, I, I always enjoyed controlling the business. And like I said, I wanted to be king. Mm-hmm. And I get to make decisions, not like at home. So. <laughs> <laughs> So. You have to have the outlet somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no. And in fact, the company that acquired me, I worked with those guys at the original agency. And when they started and formed the, that company, they approached me and I'm like, no, nah, I just got rid of my partner. I want to try to make a run of this mm-hmm. on my own. Yeah. So tell me about that thought process. How did the company who bought your, did you talk to multiple companies that wanted to buy you. How did you, did you seek them out? Were they knocking on your door since you you weren't looking to be bought? Well, what was that process like? So the process was obviously we talk a lot to a lot of other associates that I speak to on a daily basis, other people that I mentor and other people help mentor me. And one of them was acquired. As the people who acquired me, we worked together, then they were acquired. So it was sort of like seeing that, but always felt like I like being solo. And then I started hearing the rumblings of the value of the business. Mm. It is your baby. But when you start looking at the value of the business, in addition, my age, mm-hmm. we're in the fourth quarter, whether mm-hmm. we want to believe it or yeah, not. Right. And my the beginning f- of the first, fourth quarter. Okay. <laughs> the beginning <laughs> of the fourth quarter. And I'm looking at my exit plan. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't want to stop, not that I do want to stop working, but I also have to look at an exit plan. Always thought about in the last five years, who was going to take over? Mm -hmm. Who's going to be me? Who are my clients? Because the goal is if my son came into the business, then my goal was to have my son work with my client's sons. That's always the goal, you know, the tradition. And every one of my kids worked in my office, and I think four kids. And my son worked for about a week. I put him in marketing, and he said, there's no way I can do this. (laughs) But I did have a conversation with him thinking, hey, is this something that you were thinking about getting experience and coming back? And thank God he's got a pretty good career, and my other three kids have good careers. So I don't want to take on another partner. Mm -hmm. I want to try and see what the value is. And what the future is or what the next step is. Because as you train me in planning, it's Mm -hmm. so important. And I do listen uh, (laughs) in your planning. (laughs) Okay, let me kind of stick my foot in the water and see what happens here. But at the same time, the people who acquired me, I always kept in touch with them because we still had mutual clients. Right. And I tell people, no, I grew, but they exploded. Mm. And I was happy for them because they were guys I worked with. Sure, sure. And they still gave me business. But when I did finally say, well, this could be a plan, I spoke to my other partner, my real partner, uh-huh. my wife, 
And we kind of talked about it because obviously I couldn't be where I was at if she wasn't there to support and take care of the other part of my life, which is my family. Sure. So it was just as much her decision as mine. And that's kind of where we started the ball. Yeah, that's great. What future do we have? Absolutely. I know that we discussed earlier some of the fears you had if you didn't sell. You talk about a little bit where you felt that maybe the the business or the future of the technology was maybe going to outpace where we were in the fourth quarter versus the kids in the first quarter. So you might want to edit this story out, but (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, and you're right, Mike, you and I've had a lot of conversations of it's always good to change it up and change your business with technology. However, my team was aging. Got it. And my team was- It's natural. It's okay. No, my team didn't like change. You know, we tried to adapt into Salesforce about five years ago. We invested the money, the education, and three months later, everybody's doing what they were doing. Mm. And frustrating because the technology, a part of the business, and that was the big driver for me was the technology piece and feeling that if I didn't make a huge investment in technology, I was going to be left behind and clients were going to walk away not because of me, but because of the technology that I couldn't give them. Couldn't keep up with it, sure. Right, and I don't have the deep pockets. And by the time I would be able to pay for it, it'd be obsolete. Sure. So with the the new ownership mm-hmm. comes better technology. Did that help the culture of your organization? It did. So two of my key people, one of them retired. Okay. One of them is about six months from retirement. So I lined it up that way as Perfect. well, too. So in my business, because of technology, I need analysts. Mm -hmm. So although we still have our main person, Pat, who oversees, we hired two analysts to analyze data because that's where my business is going. Everything's going to be digital and analyzing data more so than answering questions is kind of what we changed that direction. Mm, That's great. That's really good. It's about 14 months since you sold. If I were coming to you today... And I'm saying, Dom, I'm in the same situation that you were a year and a half. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give me? What would you tell me? What was the good things you did? What would I be looking out for? How would you do the deal a little bit differently? So obviously, when you plan for people or when you're an advisor for people, Mm -hmm. the guy who's the painter has the worst painted house. Mm -hmm. So I always heard that story. And I really tried to take a lot of time to think about it when I look back on it because I did try to think of every detail sure, and try to think of what would be best for me and my family. But also what what was a lot there was the fact that there was three trusted people. They weren't pushing me, but I felt more comfortable. So it wasn't I was going in or getting in bed per se with a stranger. Mm -hmm. Not that there's any guarantees. And also face the fact that in most situations, if I was going to get a contract, I have to be prepared to walk away. Mm-hmm. And you do sign on the dotted line, so they do own you. Yep. And hope for the best. One of the things when I was talking to them when we were doing a deal was, well, do you think you can grow by 5%? If I can't grow by 5%, then I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> so they made me feel comfortable with that, with that being said. But they're growing now too. Sure. So a lot of changes are happening as well. Got it. Part of that was also being in, continue to being independent mm-hmm. to a degree. Got it. So what would you say 
your biggest challenges are now. You're probably five or six years away from retirement. I know that because I'm your financial advisor. I was <laughs> looking at it the other day. What is this going to look like for your family? You have four beautiful children, two great grandsons. What does the next step of Dominic Marone and Patty and the kids look like going into retirement? You know, my good question, because I'm thinking about that now. Mm-hmm. You and I are hunters, so we're always hunting. We're always working 60, 70, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Am I going to stop? Mm-hmm. How am I going to put the brakes on that? And what am I going to do? We see enough of our client that as they age, when they stop working, it sort of changes them. And that's a fear I have. Sure. I like to stay sharp. I can only fish for a certain period of time <laughs> or golf because my brother had retired. Yep. Two years ago, and it was great. After six months, he's begging me to go to breakfast with him. I'm like, I can't. I'm too busy. And he went back to work. Right. So my goal is to meet my goals that you're helping me with. My goal is to travel. I'm trying to create a bucket list of mm-hmm. places I want to see. Nice. I'm trying to convince my wife to travel by car as opposed to by plane so we could see things. Mm-hmm. What's your uh, number one bucket list travel vacation spot? The Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon. I haven't been there yet either. It's on my list. It's on my list. Hey. I want to go to see the Grand Canyon. I flew over it. I heard people. I just want to see it because it's amazing and I've never seen it. But there's a lot of this country I want to say. Sure. So everybody I talk to that's at at this eventually does something. Sure. But part of it, well, you know, what am I going to do? So <laughs> I started the Medicare practice. Yep. And Medicare has been really good because... It's people that are close to my age, and that's where I was successful with people that were close to my age and had a lot in common with. So I'm hoping to do that as I back away. Got it. As I back away or step back and continue to do that. That's excellent. That's excellent. So I'm just about wrapped up in all my questions. So before we wrap this up, is there anything else that you would like to part wisdom to our audience? Anything you'd like mm-hmm. to say just a, as a parting information? Yeah. So- Part of our conversations pre and post Mm -hmm. and having someone to talk to and bounce things off to was really helpful from all my peers, Mm -hmm. all my associates. I was prepared when I pulled the trigger to know that now I work for this company, World Insurance. Give a plug for them. (laughs) And there's some changes, recent changes, where they contact me, Dom, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. What do you think? I'm like, okay, I work for you now. You tell me. (laughs) I know I'm not a decision maker now. So that's the tough part. But overall, one of the things I text my kids and wife was when we did do this was, okay, financially, we're going to be okay. We can focus on our health and our our family. So that was a good feeling to do that. Absolutely. So, but everything's a risk. Good. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I got lucky, I believe, my whole career with Anthony, with the Eddie who's who runs World and the people that I've surrounded myself, that's the other kids, the people I surround myself, mm-hmm. I believe, really helped me as I helped them. Yep. But I appreciate it, Mike, and yeah. I enjoyed this. This was great, Dominic. Thank you for spending some time. Really looking forward to watch the final going into the last chapter of retirement <laughs> and our friendship. And I appreciate taking some time. Thank you very much, Dominic. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Entrepreneur's Journey, hosted by Michael Pelosi, president of HFM Investment Advisors, LLC. To learn more and to subscribe to the show, head on over to hfmadvisors.com. HFM Investment Advisors, LLC is a registered investment advisor. 
All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer for sale or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. All investments involve risk and are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as a recommendation appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.